0: Let's pray a moment. Lord God, your spirit is moving here. And we don't want to do anything that would stop the, the voice of the spirit today. So open our hearts, open our eyes too. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's possible that the most powerful sermon's already been preached here today. <clears throat> at 9 o'clock this morning. I'm really grateful for that. Is that going to be online? So if you if you missed it, I do encourage you to go and, and hear Moe's story. Last year, during the worst moments of the pandemic, online searches soared for scriptures that offer comfort and strength. A record number of people were searching topics, topics in the Bible, such as fear, justice, and healing. The number one verse the people sought out. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. And yet, you know, we've learned a lot about the Lord's faithfulness in these days, haven't we? The Lord's presence with us. And as we go forward, we'll learn about the Lord's provision for healing for us because we need it and we're going to need much more of it. People are desperate to be whole, to have that sense that their lives are put together again. I was, in, um, I was in Scotland a number of years ago at a little shop, coffee shop or something, and a woman came up to me and she said, uh, excuse me, are you a healer? I said, um, sorry? <laughs> she goes, well, I've been watching you and um, I've been watching your energy. And she goes, I think you're a healer. I said, well, I don't know about that. But I said, I do know one who is. And we sat and talked. And we talked about Jesus, the healer. And she talked about her own need for for healing. And before she left, I gave her uh, one of these little Rwandan crosses that I actually take with me when I travel and give to people. I pray you find that healing that you desire and need. So people are ready. People just are looking for that that way forward out of their struggles, out of their suffering, out of their brokenness, out of their lack of completion. But, you know, healing can be frightening when you start talking about that to people. Um, It can be off-putting, and especially when it's linked with religion, people have an idea about faith healers, and their experiences of seeing that maybe on television or in crusades. It, It conjures up images of kind of a spectacle of a show, manipulation, (laughs) and yet we know Jesus was a healer, the healer, wherever he went, setting people free from a myriad of diseases, physical, emotional, and spiritual. The journey to healing or wholeness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. We are broken people. We're sinners made new by the life of Christ. Restored by the power of the cross and the resurrection. Healing is about the whole person. I know we, we tend to just think of the physical need when we talk about, you know, I need healing, um, you know, I have a disease or I have this, uh, whatever, and we can, because we can, we can see that, right? But the, the, the Bible's view of healing is holistic. It is about the physical, but even more it's about that need to be whole, body and soul because when Jesus uh, does heal we see the work of recreation the creator re- he restores and uh, those that are healed aren't just set free from disease they're set free from all the other things and they're given back their lives their dignity is restored their the community is renewed they're made whole the healing of Bartimaeus is Jesus last miracle before he enters Jerusalem, to face betrayal. This is in the Gospel of Mark. Actually, it's the last miracle in Mark, except for the resurrection itself. And it's important, not just as a healing story, but where it occurs. I think it's kind of a doorway. It's a tinge from Jesus on the way and the teaching that he's been doing, leading us into the final week of his life. But in addition, Bartimaeus is kind of a model for us of how we might approach God in our own need of health and wholeness. We've been, we've been here for a few weeks now, walking you know, moving through these passages, and I've, I've mentioned several times, and we'll continue to say it just to let it sink into us, that this section of Mark contains the revelations by Jesus that he would suffer and be killed. And then, of course, rise again. And we know how the disciples reacted to that, right? They didn't get it. They pushed back on it, they disagreed, or they ignored it and requested places of honor because they thought they had it figured out anyway. But this section begins, and they're both healings of blindness. In chapter 8, Jesus restores sight to a man in Bethsaida. Later, right on the, the heels of that, Jesus begins to tell his disciples, that he will be turned over to the authorities, that he will suffer, that he will be killed, and that he will be resurrected. And then there are the three predictions of his passion. And then the section ends with Bartimaeus. The healings are like both healings about seeing. The disciples can't see. They just don't get it. Yet Jesus is all about helping us to see. And I think in a symbolic way, the men in Bethsaida and Bartimaeus are not the only ones who need healing to see. The disciples need the healing as well. As do we often. Well, how is Bartimaeus a model? Because, you know, we need guides in healing, in the journey of wholeness. And it's not always clear. I think healing is like navigating the ocean. It's not like driving a highway. In other words, there's a lot of ways through. You know, it's whatever. And we can't, it has to be discerned. Now, this isn't the only model, but I think it has wisdom for us, whether we're seeking healing or walking with others in healing. And I, you know, we're all in that journey of being healed. I mean, that's just, I, you know, and I stand here today not as somebody who says, oh, I'm healed now. Let me tell you how to do it. But more as one beggar showing other beggars where the food is. I'm going to walk us through this passage. I know that's not my usual style, but um, I think it's helpful in this, in this setting here. So I'm just going to point out things that, that happen with Bartimaeus and then say a little bit about it. So not, not a lot about each thing, but you, know, you can kind of just track with me that way. First of all, I think Bar- Bartimaeus has... ...important because we're told his name, and not only that, we're given the context for him. He is the son of Timaeus. And here he is begging at the edge of the road, probably ignored by most, except for what little they throw to him that keeps him alive. But it may not have always been that way. He is a person. And disease and destitution can rob us of dignity, as they did for Bartimaeus. People can show pity rather than love. But Mark wants us to know that Jesus does not see Bartimaeus as one who is deserving of pity, but a person of great worth. And whether we're in a particular place of brokenness or walking with others or seeking healing, I think guarding our dignity, honoring identity is vital, is vital to the process. Mother Teresa, who ministered to countless people in dire need said, I will never tire of repeating this, she said, what the poor need the most is not pity, but love. They need to feel respect for their human dignity, which is neither less nor different from the dignity of any other human being. So first, we we know Barnabas by his name. We know he's a person. Jesus sees him. Second, Barnabas has faith in Jesus. I appreciated Stephanie bringing this forward. We don't know how he knew anything about Jesus, but he knows. He calls out to him. Son of David. Now, this is one of the titles that that Jews gave to the long-awaited Messiah. It's not always used. He doesn't call him miracle worker. He doesn't call him healer. He doesn't call him teacher, although he will call him my teacher in a bit. He seems to be clear about who Jesus is and what he's about. And he sees, even though he's blind, something that those even closest to Jesus had not grasped. So in faith, he calls out, and he continues to call out and press in, even in the face of the threats that accompany the attempts to silence him. You know, the journey of healing is uh, a pressing in, in faith to Jesus himself. Our source of life and wholeness is Christ and the power of his resurrection. Now, there may be many who assist our healing and our, uh, our journey There's medical practitioners, if that's the need. There are mental health counselors, spiritual directors, prayer partners, friends, and so on. But our need for wholeness is only fully addressed in our relationship with God, the Creator and Recreator. It's about proximity. Where are you in your relationship to God? Where are you willing to be? It's about presence. Are you present? Do you seek to practice the presence of Jesus? It takes courage. It takes courage. We see that with Bartimaeus. He has courage. Because the very people that are calling out to him to stop are the people who actually support him. And they could turn on him. I know a counselor who says that his clients are the bravest people that he knows. He has faith in Jesus. Also, third point, we're not healed alone. We see this. I mean, Bartimaeus is part of a community, isn't he? And the community that we're a part of can either hinder or aid our healing, just like the crowd here that rebukes Bartimaeus and tells him, to, "You know, it's, it, it, it's hard to find wholeness in a community that's not seeking to be whole. I'm not saying this community is perfect, but if it's not seeking, if it's not seeking health, if it's not seeking goodness." Then it'll be very hard for any of the, the members to really come forward. And in. in fact, much harm will be done, right? It's toxic, it just perpetuates that brokenness. So, who are you traveling with on the journey? Are we a community here that brings people to Jesus for healing, like those who love the paralyzed friend of Jesus in, in Luke 5? Or are we like the crowd and even the disciples, hindering the work of healing that's needed? God desires to do. I had a uh, family funeral yesterday. Yeah, another one. I know we're making a habit out of these things. But um brothers we were there, my three brothers. It was my uncle who passed away. And we were there was a dinner at the church. And the church is the church where we grew up. I mean, when we weren't living somewhere else, we were at the church. It's the church my fa- grandfather helped to start. And it's the church where... I was in the nursery, and I came up through that. It was a church where I was baptized. It was a church where I formally responded to God's call to ministry on the front pew of that church. So it was really amazing. A lot of ghosts there. I mean, Christian ghosts, right? You know what and, <laughs> and I was walking through things with my brother, who's closest to me in age, and they have, a, they have pictures of all the pastors going back. I don't know, the church has maybe been 90 years, 80, 90 years. And we're just looking at different ones, and, and he gets to one, and he goes, this one. He goes, this one almost ruined it for me. I've never heard him say that. I understood what he meant, though. He said, yeah, he said, I've had to have a lot of recovery from that. He said, actually, I think I'm still in recovery. See, there's people that can help or the people can hinder. And we desire to be a community that walks in, in health and in help in goodness. Next point. When Jesus calls him, Bartimaeus leaps to his feet and he throws aside his cloak. You know, the cloak might be in his only possession. His protection. It's his covering. It's his sense of safety, however fragile that was. Sometimes in our own healing, there will be things that we need to cast aside. Things that have great meaning to us. Things that we've come to rely on. That we place, uh, you know, really that we have some security in. We have to stop. We have to let it go. I mean, we see this particularly in the healing of addictions. There are patterns, there are practices, and sometimes there are even people who block our road to recovery. Letting these go is a large part of moving forward in healing. Next point. Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? It's interesting, isn't it? This is... And John had hoped to hear, right? They wanted Jesus to say to them, what do you want me to do for you? Instead, he, he, he says, he offers that to Bartimaeus. And I, we would have thought, it was of course, he wants to be his sight. But Jesus makes room for him to confess his need and his desire. You know, that's important for us in moving to to health, to have clarity around the real thing at the heart of our need. Because it's not always what we think it is, right? Sometimes the symptoms of our brokenness so loudly that we miss what's underneath. Frederick Buechner addresses this in some comments he made around praying for those who need healing. He said, if God doesn't seem to be giving you what you ask, Maybe he's giving you something else. <laughs> in other words, be open to what the real need of healing is. It may be different than what you think. You know, I've walked alongside people who've suffered physical ailments that seem to have no cause. They, um, There was no clear diagnosis. They go to doctor after doctor, treatment after treatment, with very little progress. Yet in counseling, yet in prayer, it becomes clear to that person that the source is something else. Often it's a broken relationship, a family wound, forgiveness that's needed or needs to be offered. Our bodies and souls are closely tied. So becoming clear about the need and confessing it is vital to our healing. So I think it's great that Jesus says, what do you want me to do? He puts, he puts Bart in the driver's seat for that. One more thing here. And there's a part, but one more thing. Bartimaeus receives his sight. And Jesus declares to him that it's actually his faith that's healed him. Bartimaeus' faith. Right. In Mark chapter 5, the woman with hemorrhages is told the same thing. I mean, she's had this a dozen years. The doctors have only made it worse. And Jesus is in her World there with this huge crowd around him. And she presses through the crowd and she touches him. And she knows in that instant she's healed. But she backs away and tries to hide again into the crowd. Jesus immediately knows something has happened. The disciples are like, Come on, you're being pressed. Everybody's pushing against you. He's like, No, no, no. I know someone has been healed. And she comes forward so fearful, trembling, and she bows in front of him. She's like, and he lifts her up. He says, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. Says to Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. You know, at the time, people thought disease was related to sin. Well, we know it is in the larger sense, right? Of course. But if you were ill, then you had sinned in some way. It was a punishment for you. If you were born blind, it was your parents' sin. If you became blind, then it was likely something you had done. Bartimaeus' request, I mean, depending, he actually says, I want to see again, to receive my sight again. Maybe he had vision at one point, and those who walked by him every day wondered, What sin have you done to deserve that? Yet Jesus is clear your faith has healed you, meaning your faith in me has healed you. Do you know it's possible to be faithful in suffering? Bartimaeus is faithful in his suffering. The woman was faithful in her suffering. That can be a deep place of spiritual growth in suffering, even though no one would go and seek it on their own. Right? It's a word to those of us that are suffering. And also as we come along others that are on this healing journey, I think we tend still though we don't admit it. We tend to link disease with sin. We do. We link poverty with that. We link other factors. To judge a person's situation. And of course, it can be complicated. But we should not be quick to judge except to judge our own attitudes and the unjust systems that create broken lives. Bartimaeus is an outcast. He's blind. He's poor. He's at the side of the road. He's of no consequence to the crowds. But Jesus wants him faithful. Jesus sees his heart. He knows who he really is. So I've come up with a little thing. I don't, I don't do this kind of thing very often. <clears throat> it's usually, uh, you know, people write books, television preachers, and stuff like that. Come up with little, you know, guides and helps. But I have seven words about healing, the healing journey. And some of it's rested in here. Some of it's just my own experience. It, it doesn't have to be seven. And it's not complete. It's just something I want to offer today. And it's alliterative. They all begin with the letter P. So... The first is path path i 'm not preaching a sermon on each one don 't worry path path simply means it, it it's it's a healing journey it 's not just a moment it can have moments in it it 's a path because we don't always see it. You, you go walk in the woods, there may be paths here and there, but you have to discern sometimes where it's going, so it is a pathway secondly is prayer because prayer is is that that crying voice of our hearts to God. And it becomes so important in the journey of of healing in our lives. The third is presence. And that can mean God's presence with us. It can mean our presence to God. It can mean our presence to other people. In other words, are you present? Are you still showing up? Just show up. That's a big part of what it is to be healed. Fourthly is patience. Be patient and persistence. Two words together, really, I guess. The times are in for our own healing and our own um, coming back to a place of, of restoration. Be patient with it. The next one is people. I've already said something about this, right? So um, we're in community, and people are important to our journey of, of healing. And we just have to be careful about who we're walking with. Now, sometimes we can be really just self-centered and just start, you know, kicking people out of our lives left and right. I'm I'm not talking about that because it may be that we need to be in their lives for their healing. So we have to discern this carefully. But people, it's a big part of how we move forward. Praise, praise. Hearts of gratitude, thanksgiving. Even in the midst of deep, dark trouble and struggle, can we can we be people that still will worship God? Even if we say, This is hard, <laughs> I don't feel like this, but I'm going to do it. <clears throat> I'm going to offer you myself. And the last one is peace. I think to come to a place of peace about the healing journey. Peace means accepting who we are, accepting the outcome, accepting what the timing of something, right? have peace in our hearts about it. Tim Hansel said he prayed for healing hundreds of times, thousands of times. He said, finally, he said, God healed me of my need to be healed. That's what we see in Paul, isn't it? Paul says, I've got this thing. God, take it away. God God says, my grace is enough. We need peace. Path, prayer, presence. Patience, people, praise, and peace. Lord, thank you for the salvation that you bring to us. Thank you for your kingdom that, you, that, you're, that you're doing, that you're building, that you're re- revealing. Lord, let us love you and love one another well that we might be whole.